The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left in the Geek Revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the Dashing Duo, Derek and myself, Mike. And joining us is, I'm going to say WWF legend, because he was there during the WWF period. Um, also, actor, uh, stuntman as well. Yeah. yeah. Stunt actor. Stunt, stunt actor. Um, and the voice you're hearing is Robert Maillet. Yeah, pretty good. I try. I try. Um so how's everyone doing tonight? Doing good. Doing great. All right. I know Derek's blood's pumping a little bit more since he had a major storm with a tornado warrant. Tornado, tornado warning. warning. Yeah. An actual what, warning? In Boston? Yeah, an actual warning. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that, that, that would be very rare. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very rare, yeah. Well, that came out of pandemic, I guess. I guess it's all, it's all connected. We, we, will, we will blame it on the virus that shall not be named. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Luckily, it passed through really quickly so well see so it, it did pass well, is it the warning or did they did, did touch touch off the ground they, uh... no it was just a warning but uh, I think it's over now the storm's gone mostly gone see I I grew up in Tornado Alley and usually a watch is conditions are favorable for it warning meant there was one on the ground seek shelter immediately <laughs> and it seems like things have changed slightly since I was a kid um, <laughs> I first want to start off by asking you we got a movie coming out hopefully next month called yeah, Becky. That's right. What can you yeah. tell us about Becky? It looks like a great cast. It's a great cast, yeah. Uh, it's about, it's kind of a mixture of the uh, films put together, kind of Home Alone, mix up with Dyke, mix up, you know, it's a, it's a genre, it's a horror film, thriller, or, or a house invasion thriller, I would suppose. And it's about a family uh, that goes off to their cottage, and, and Becky is the, is the teenage girl part of that family she's a very very rebellious teenage girl who doesn't accept uh, her father's girl, girlfriend new girlfriend she just she, they just lost her mom who cancer I believe uh, and uh, so she doesn't accept the, her father's girlfriend and she goes to her the woods and she has a tree house to play with she has her own you know so she's mostly like a loner and then unbeknownst to them we, we invade Kevin James is plays the main villain yeah we, we escaped uh, prison. I, I watched the trailer and I was, I was like, wow, this is a different role for Kevin. It 
<laughs> and and he, what I'm seeing so far, very, very impressed, very believable. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I my, my role in it. My role in it uh, is uh, called Apex. He's I'm Kevin. I, I'll be, I'm one of the prisoners, of course, but I'm one. Uh, I'm a huge follower. Kind of a, uh, Kevin James character would be kind of a father figure to him. Okay, and uh, so it's he's a very conflicted character too. So we we usually butt heads with the, the Kevin James's character Dominic, and uh, so it's, it's, it was, I had a great role. And most of all, my scenes are with Kevin, and it was it was great working with him. He's a fun guy, lovely man, and very funny. But uh, as the role that he played, you know, it was awesome to watch him play a role. You know, this neo-Nazi, terrible, you know, terrible, <laughs> horrible man. You know, wow. I I want to say this is one of the first roles he's had doing like a dramatic part like this uh yeah well villain really mean the first thing yeah. in your career and uh i think what happened now i think that it's been out because uh simon Pegg was originally being cast to play the dominic role originally. he had to pull out for scheduling issues another film and i think kevin james was already uh cast for the role in the film already as a father figure who's now played by joel mccall uh, and then mm-hmm. when simon Pegg pulled out uh the film was going to were falling apart because of the, they lost the name. Right. And then Kevin Kevin James said, well, I can play the villain. And, this, and the producer thought, well, that's a good idea. The whole, the whole idea is, I think the idea of this film, the hope of this film, uh, also is people are, are curious, want to see Kevin James play, play a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, think, uh, people, so I think, that, you know, and plus the element of, you know, this diehard thing, uh, like a, a mind games with the girl, yeah. with Lulu Wilson, who plays the Becky, and then Kevin James's character, kind of, kind of a cat and mouse thing going on to disrupt the film, you know. I, I will say, I, I was watching the trailer. I'm like, okay, seems interesting. Nice little horror, nice little suspense. And then I saw Kevin James. I'm like, okay, he's bald with a long beard. He's bald with a plastica, a tattoo on the back of the skull. See, I don't think I saw that in the trailer. It's in the trailer. You need to watch it again. I'm going ha- to have to watch it again. Um, but I'm yeah. like, this, this, this is unique. This is different. And, and to see him get into that role, you know, into that, I'm going to hunt you down. It's like okay, I, I've seen something similar to this when he did Mall Mall Cop, um, when he's hunting down the bad guys. But to see him put a little more evil into it, being the bad or, or being the heel in, in this, I'm like okay, this has really got my interest. Um, I'm, I'm a Kevin That's James really fan. Interesting. You gotta watch the trailer, Derek. It's mm. it's phenomenal. Um, so how did you get involved with the film Becky? I auditioned. Okay. I, I, I just auditioned for a role. Uh, that, that was, my God, we shot that later in the summer of a year ago. I auditioned, uh, I think I auditioned that in last June, if I okay. June. Middle of the summer, I auditioned for it. I did, I did two auditions, a couple of auditions, like a callback, and then uh, and then I did, the last audition I did was live on Skype on, okay. with the, the two directors. And then, uh, not too long after, I got the part. That basically okay. it. Awesome. And it's, it, it's one of the, the funnest role I ever had. You know, it's a fun cast, you know. They're, fun, right. they're great, Carrie and Jonathan. The great director, great guys, and I guess a great cast. Just I, I had a fun role. It was a great role. 
I mean, I, they take a lot of bad guy roles, you know. Right. Um, but this one, but like sure. said, very conflict role, you know, very conflicted. There's a little bit more drama compared. No. You know, it, was, it was fun to play. After y'all would take a break for either initial first break or lunch break or whatnot, um, did Kevin kind of break the mood with some comedy just to bring some lightheartedness back just to ease the tension or did, did he stay with the I'm ready to kill you type of <laughs> attitude? No, no, he was when he, when he doing breaks or he, when he got cut, he was Kevin, Kevin James. Yeah. Awesome. I, I, very approachable. Uh, between him and Joe, Joe McCall, because both of them are comedians. Right. They stand up comedians. Right, yeah. Hilarious. They were both of them together in the same set. They were in the same room. They were very funny. So it was a very entertaining day. So th- and it was great. It was, Kevin was awesome. So yeah. with having two comedians on set like that in the roles that they were in, did that make it easier to to tackle this film and not get too um, so. too deep. I think so. Okay. But it's, it's pretty intense scenes we're doing. Very, it's very dark. It's a dark film. But, you know, it, it's pretty intense. Char- you know, the situation where the characters you are getting into it's you know it's a terrible situation. Right. It just break. It just you know it makes it better when when you, when you you know when you be himself and it's funny. You know, what, I mean, it's, it was just fun. Part of part of yeah. the fun to be awesome. Now. This is still tentatively coming out in theaters, or has it been pushed back? Coming video on demand? Have you heard? Video on demand. It was the idea was because just before the whole shit show happened, uh, it was supposed to be as a world premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival a month ago. Oh, you know, that's um, been post, it was postponed. Right. The idea was to release in theaters, theaters in the summer. Out, but of course, that the whole thing. So I'm happy. You know what? It would have been great being in theaters for, for sure, of course. Uh, but the idea is that the, all the big summer films right now, they've all been pushed later this right. year. Next show, with, it, with Becky coming out, you know, might have a, might find an audience somewhere. And, you know, it's the only yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Summer, you know, it's one of those rare films that are come out. And yeah, they might, might find an audience. You know, people, people want to see new original content, new films. So, it, yeah, really. It, it is definitely on my radar. Um, I mean, I I, w- I wouldn't have known about it if it wasn't for you coming on the show. I'm like, oh, let's see what the current project is he's doing. Um, so I can be a little prepared. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. Now, um, go ahead, Derek. I was just going to say, I definitely, it's definitely piqued my interest. I definitely want to uh, check it out. It's different. And she's great, too. Uh, Lulu, Lulu Wilson. She's a great young a rising star. She's like 15 year, 15 year old. She's yeah. the model work on her. Oh, wow. The huh. little work. She's once, she was on Star Trek Picard. She played the daughter of Riker and uh, Detroit. Oh, wow. And she's been a lot of uh, Annabelle films. You know, a lot yep. of, she's a kind yep. of a horror actress, you know, and she's great. She's great. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's pretty, it's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, look forward to watching it. Too. <laughs> now, you also had a major part in the show, The Strain. What was it like being the master on that show? It was uh, it was well, it was it was awesome. It was awesome to play. It's how it's how I got the part because yeah, I worked with Guillermo Guillermo del Toro in the Grimm, and with my experience on Pacific Rim with, uh, with him, uh, he he had me in mind to play the master, 
And uh, so he just offered me the part, basically. And uh, I couldn't, you know, it's hard to say no. <laughs> well, I think, wait, wait, let me think about it. <laughs> but it was also the play, he's a major role, he's the main villain in the story. And it's, uh, I felt powerful, you know, to play the man. Right. It was a good feeling. Playing with a great bunch of actors, I mean, there was a great uh, production on that series as well. They invested a lot of the money in that show. Great sets, beautiful sets, and, uh, and great actors to work with as well but uh, it was a fun it was a fun part it was challenging for physicality part you know because uh, uh, it was heavy but I had layers of clothing and then I had the shoes off oh, mm. it was weighed like a hundred pounds the detail of, that, of the uh, costume crazy it was heavy it was hot you know I had a cool vest and you need to keep me cool but uh, it was awesome it was just great to play to play the master it was, it was very cool yeah excellent <laughs> Now, I'm looking at your IMDb because you, you've done so much and, and it was just slowly working. I know. I missed. I, I overshot. You were part of, you, you were part of one of the greatest franchises of this of this decade with Deadpool playing Slogo. Oh, yeah. How did that come about? Uh, I was working on the film, a Netflix film in Vancouver called Game Over, Game Over Me with the work with the workaholic guys. Okay. And Oh, yeah. It's on my list yep. to watch. Yep. I just haven't gotten it's to it yet. Film. It's kind of a die, die hard uh, genre of feel to it, but with, with comedy, you know. And I was working on that film in Vancouver. Uh, and then I got the email from my agent saying a director a director wanted to meet me in Vancouver. And the email I got was very vague. Uh, the title was a working title called The, the Love Machine. And it was a love machine. What the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> I knew. I knew. It was a. It was an un, uh, unkept secret, really. Uh, uh, unkept secret. Everybody knew in Vancouver that they were prepping to shoot Deadpool too. You know, uh, everybody knew. Everybody knew it was going to happen. You know, this right. uh, soon. Uh, but I had no clue at the time. It was a love machine. What the hell? And then I got another email. You know, I was going back and forth a little bit for my availability. And then I, I saw the email again. And then I saw the directors. The directors name finally the David Leach and then I knew then I knew that it was Deadpool because I knew he was he was booked for for directing Deadpool too and David Leach I knew him in the past I worked with him on 300 my first film uh, major film was 300 and uh, he right. was a stunt rigger stunt double you know he did all stunts in that film and and the film that's where if you remember the film uh, uh, 300 uh, my character Uber Immortal kicks kicks one of the Spartans in the pop of bodies and give him a big kick and he flies right. over. That was David Lee's. And it's funny, I have this, that picture of the picture on, on my desk <laughs> for years. And I haven't seen him since 300. This is 15, something, 16 years ago. And David Lee's been going oh, yeah. on run you now with the John Wick movies. He's a he's a sought-after action director in Hollywood. So, so, I, get, so I exactly knew what it was. When that and David Lee wants to meet me in his office at the uh, studio. 20 minutes for my hotel. So, so they got the driver, they picked me up, they took me to the studio, uh, to the uh, production office, met David, you know, said, hey, how are you doing? It's, you know, it's a long time, it's a long time since I've seen you, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then all of a sudden he just, I got an idea for a part for you, you know, if you were interested and you want the part. It's a small part, but 
it's, it's, it's yours if you want it. And I, I didn't hesitate. <laughs> Whatever part, I didn't care what part it was, and I didn't hesitate. But I said, yes, by the way, I put Deadpool too. So the biggest movie, the most anticipated movie of that year. Of the, of the, and so I said, yes, by the way. So it was a short uh, meeting. You know? And then uh, it was it was fun. It was just fun. I mean, I had a good time. Uh, I met, of course, I worked and met Ryan Reynolds, which is a funny guy. I didn't have to spend a lot of time with him because he was he's busy as well, shootings and producing and all that stuff. Sort of, he was all over the place. But I mean, I, I, I worked with him on, on scene. It's very funny. We had a funny scene in the prison scene where I punched a kid in the face. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> great set, you know. It's amazing to build. You found this old warehouse where they, it's an old place where they used to build trains years ago outside of Vancouver. And it turned into this, this uh, mutant prison, you know, icebox, they call it. And it was awesome mm. to work. And then the other scenes, the, the next scenes, uh, they did two, two big scenes. That, that same prison, and the next scene is the train, or the transportation prison prison truck. First, the big climatic big action scenes in the movie, the big prison truck that goes through the city. And that was that, that scene where I can, uh, me and my uh, Jack Casey, the actor who plays my, my leader in, in the movie, who plays Boulevard in, on the train as well. So we were both vampires. Mm. So Master, he was my second in command, the golf, the, 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 the golf rocker. And of course, in the Deadpool 2, we're both villains. Well, we're working out kind of funny. But uh, <laughs> that scene, we did the scene where me and him fight Deadpool on the train, go to the train, on the truck. And the big fight scene. And that, they, they cut that part out to add more Josh Brolin's cable. But you do see you do see some clips, the bits of that scene on the trailer, one of the trailers. You know? So it at least there's proof that we did that. But I'm happy they kept the prison scene. It was, it was a very funny, very funny scene, you know, to be part of. Yeah, so, yeah it was great. My whole yeah. Yeah. Deadpool 2 was awesome. It was great. Yeah. It was movie did well. It was fun. Most people didn't know. Uh, when I went to it with my friends and family here at home in theaters, I couldn't say I was in the film. I signed a non-disclosure agreement for like almost, <laughs> almost a whole year. <laughs> so when when the scene came up, people were surprised that I was in the film, and people were surprised that I was in the theaters with them, too. So it was a good year. <laughs> it was cool. And happy that that must have been hard to keep the secret. <laughs> So that must have been hard to keep the secret that long. I get used to that. I'm used to keeping secret stuff. Over the years, I'm I'm used to keeping secrets. I'm not. I'm pretty good at it. I I would think that would go back to your days of as a wrestler with all the secrets from there, from storylines and and scripts and that. Sure. Well, absolutely. Because now with this articles and wrestling, kayfabe, it doesn't mean doesn't mean nothing anymore. And when I started, this is. 30 years ago yeah. uh, uh, mm-hmm. the business was very well much protected at the time and uh, you had to keep secrets you know, I, kept, I kept secrets from my family you know I, I took I took it very seriously now it doesn't matter now <laughs> but at the time I did <laughs> I took it very you know, but it was it lost something though it did, over the years for wrestling it lost people knew I guess that it was staged but they weren't sure and that's what you, you had them, you know right. it's, it's been a disbelief right. for a while. but now everything's Clothes, it's not the same. You'll reveal the magic trick, like it's like a pen and teller thing, you know. It's not mm. for me, it is. But some people don't, it doesn't matter. They're a great athlete, they do a great show, good storytelling, but it, miss, it, it misses something, you know. It's good to keep, keep secrets, you know, keep yeah. the magic. Well, ha- having a couple friends who are pro wrestlers now, um, and they, they've they talked to me about how to uh, spot 
choreograph changes or or notice a bad spot or when when a spot has changed and, and it actually worked out better and that was done because of the pop reaction of the crowds i watch now more for the technical aspect because for me that's more entertaining than some of the story because it seems like the stories just aren't quite there as they used to be so so i'm looking at the technical aspect um which also comes by nature being an audio engineer uh, and having been in the industry 30 something years um i love the behind the scenes i love the technical aspects that the only thing i didn't get to do is um the one wrestler was with tna here in orlando i wanted i wanted to watch from backstage and see how the back, how everything's done backstage at the different areas, from gorilla to to prep to the hallways. I, I wanted to see all that, and um, just never got the opportunity. It's, it's, it's a great. It's a, every time when I was with them, I was only with them, and, uh, and every time we used to go to a taping, like either a pay per view taping or Monday Night Raw, we were more than Raw, we were Raw tapings. Used to it was part of that a lot, and it was just the excitement in the air. I mean, you course, you have to be there early in the day. All day, pretty much doing nothing. You know, you, sometimes you're trying to escape to go to a gym or to a restaurant <laughs> to work out. You know, but you mostly you're stuck in that building all day. And then, uh, and then two hours before the show, now you know who you're going to work with. They put all the list of the people, the guys you're going to work with, the match on, on the taping. Either you are on those weekend shows, Shotgun or Sunday Night Heat, or when they're off. Yep. And then, and then mm-hmm. you, you meet the guy you're going to work with. You got the agent with you to book, book the finish. You know, the finish. It's just the adrenaline. It builds up and builds up like five minutes or 15 minutes before before Raw comes on live. And with this life, it's a totally, it's, it's, it's a different beast altogether. And it's just, you feel all the flies, you know. Especially when you're at the gorilla position. Before, right before the curtains, you can hear the crowd deafening right before you open the curtains and you, you be, I become curtain, you know, to them, you know. It's just a rush, you know. It's nervous, scared, <laughs> rush. And then you got your match in your head and then you're hoping it's going to get over well and then hoping you're not going to get hurt and all that crap and stuff you know? <laughs> and hoping the, the bosses the agents will be happy at the end and the, the guy you work with will be happy too you know and hopefully you get that's it's, it's, it's unreal and every time it's always different nothing the same especially, especially when working with them working right. with the it's machine, you know. Working in indie indie wrestling is a different thing, I think. You know, where you can take your time, you can be yourself. There, since I didn't have time to build the character, really. Well, well, matches only had five minutes for matches, including intro. So you didn't really have time to. Mm. I mean, maybe I wasn't ready for for the moment at the time for the push. It never gives you time sometimes. It is such, you know. Now, for those who don't know what Gorilla is, and you, you can correct me if I if I go off track. Gorilla is the spot right before you go out for the entrance. It's the curtains and the reason and the reason why it's called gorilla is because gorilla monsoon used to stand there and and tell the wrestler okay go so he he was like a stage manager calling calling the cues for your entrance he was yeah he was uh when when i was there my run he wasn't there gorilla wasn't there he was retired was semi-retired uh but i did my first trial five years prior in utica new york my first trial was a dark match and he was there doing gorilla and he was intimidating a bit you know 
was a bit of, he was in his work ethic, you know, he was in his work mode. You know? Totally different gorilla guy I saw him commentating. You know, when he's doing gorilla position, he's you know, he's serious, you know. So it was a bit for me, because I was in WWF at the time of this kid. I was only twenty one years old and I was a fish out of water, you know. I, I, I first time at the T V thing, I saw everybody there. Everybody the T V thing. First time I saw the Undertaker, Rick Flair, Piper, Bret Hart, the the, the Legion of Everybody was there. It was just mind blowing. And then but that trial didn't work out, of course, and I didn't get signed, but five years later it worked out. <laughs> well since we're on wrestling, uh well we'll touch on this for a bit before we get back to some of the movies because I want to hear stories from Pacific Rim as well. Um, so you, you come out as Kurgan and from what I've heard your your name came about because of Highlander? It's because of Highlander, yeah. There are a lot of bunch of names uh, that we're thinking of for me because I was the interrogator. We started with the Truth Commission. Right, with, uh, started... with the Jackal, yeah. Well, originally the Truth Commission was with the Commandant who was, who was there. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we started our thing in Memphis as a training, you know, where we were, we're, we're uh, developmental town, right? Uh, USWA, Memphis. Yeah. And we were there for three, four months, or four, four, four months. Basically, to get experience, you know, to, to work together. And uh, so we have a, the Commandant. Commandant is an actor, not a wrestler. It's from uh, South Africa. He's the one who thought about the idea. And, uh, and a great guy. Uh, but they, they let him go because he was taking bumps. Because as a manager, you got to take bumps as a heel manager. And he was hurting himself because he's just an actor. He's not a stunt guy. He's not a wrestler. So he, he was he was replaced by uh, uh, John, John Callis, who was the jackal, which was a great great on the mic and a great worker as well. And uh, so, yeah. And I was the interrogator, which is just the type, you know, the sniper, the recon, tank. And then, so when they separated me from the group, Truth Commission, they wanted, they wanted me to have a name. So yeah, I forget the other names they were thinking of. But I think it was me. I think it might have been Vince Russo who thought about Kurgan, I think, from the Highlander film. And yeah. it, it made sense. First time I heard it, I was like, that's cool. That's a cool name. I like that. <laughs> I don't know your re- I don't know your relationship with Vince Russo, but I would say probably one of the few things he got right. <laughs> I-, well, I think so. I got the call from Vince Russo first time. He never called me. I never called He never called me before. The first time he called, my wife said, Vince is on the phone. And of course, you don't think of Vince Russo. Right. And so Vince, the guy with McMahon, Vince McMahon calls me, you know, he's good. <laughs> fired or <laughs> and this is the time where they weren't sure what to do with me after when the McCurgan run you know they, they, they let go of the jackal after that you know and so I was Kurgan on my own and I was in uh, yeah they didn't know what to, to, to do with the character uh, I was in limbo I guess and then I got the call from Vince my wife said Vince what the hell I'm gonna get let go and then it was Vince Russo and then he, he pitched the idea of the audit okay. as, a, as a fun loving oddities like we were already the oddities with uh, with Jackal, of course. But we were kind of a heel or a heel faction. But it, Vince's original idea was to, uh, as a fun-loving group, likes to party, uh, have fun, and beat up people, I guess. But he wanted to introduce the characters as to what they wanted me to, uh, me and Jan Silva, to have tuxedos on and have Luna Vasho in the princess princess dress. <laughs> he exported to the ring while I'm singing Miss America in front of a live audience. <laughs> <laughs> And he said, yeah, and he asking me, like I was shaking my head. I was like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> 
But I couldn't say no. Yes, he asked me, "Are you interested?" And I, I said yes because I said no, then it probably wouldn't would have got let go. So I said yes. And took the opportunity. Right. I wasn't sure how I was going to get over the oddity thing. Part me and John Tinto, you know, was mostly us together. We were attacking. I, I met him met him briefly once down here because well, I, I lived it. I lived in same. Yeah, he he passed away here in Sanford, Florida, which is just north of Orlando. Right. Yeah. It was uh, it was awesome. He was a great guy. Yeah. We, we, got, we traveled together, and uh, it, it was great. He was a nice man. You know, it, it's very sad how he, he passed away. I, I think the last time I saw him was in Montreal. We worked a show for Jacques Rougeau, his family show, the event, and uh, we worked together as a tag there for a show, and then he turns, and then we did, did, did this angle where he turns on me and gives me the avalanche flash, or the, 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 the ass drop on me, created this angle, the storyline. And then I remember uh, at the airport, we were going home, and I remember like this fight was like 2 o'clock, and they, the fight didn't exist. The fight to Orlando didn't exist. Like, on booking, it didn't, it, it was, it, so he, he couldn't fly out that, that time, you know? So I remember him being pissed off that John Taylor is good at being upset, screaming, and just being frustrated. <laughs> and then the last time I saw him alive, you know? And then a year or two years later, yeah. so let's, you know, but you know, I had a great time with him. It's just a, a very, he loved his family. And I, I follow his son. His son is on Facebook, you know? He's doing very, very well in football and all that. He's a big kid, like his, like his, like his dad. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was great to be with him. I taught, he taught me a lot how to, to work, to work as a big man. So If I, rem- yeah. if I remember right, he had a uh, wrestling school here in town. Yes, I think he did. That's right. So, you know, he moved great as a big man. It was yeah. earthquake back in the 80s, 90s. Yeah. You know, big man, agile, you know, doing drop kicks and stuff. So very, very impressive. Strong leg. You know, very, yeah. Mm. It, was, it was awesome. He got pissed off. I remember we were, when we were working a lot with two cool, Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor. Yeah. We were working with them a lot. You know, of course, it's comedy match. It's mostly a comedy match. We open the house shows with, with them, which is fun. You know, the crowd were, were fresh, you know. It was just, we got popped everywhere and popped during the match. Easy. It was just an easy game. And then we did taping, taping, raw taping somewhere. I forget where. And then we were talking about our match, building the match together. So we all got together talking about the match. And then Brian Christopher uh, didn't want to hear anything from John, what he John wanted to do. So he disrespected John. That pissed off. John has been, like I said, worked with Hulk Hogan, main events stuff. So he was turned red, furiously pissed off. But Brian Christopher was afraid, afraid of John. And everybody knew in the building. So it was a curtain ball. When the match came up, finally, everybody all the boys in the back watching through the curtain with the monitors watching the sit fly the thing you do you know they're thinking John was gonna hurt or squash uh, Christopher he didn't hurt him. He, he didn't basically he didn't tag me in at all well, I was supposed to get tagged into my stuff no John didn't try to tag me in basically he got Brian and just beat, beat him up in a professional way you know didn't, didn't get Brian in at all <laughs> so, even Jim Ross I remember Jim Ross telling Brian Christopher what did you do to piss him off like he was pissed off at Brian. <laughs> he didn't have people in the office, you know, at least. And of course, Brian Christopher was uh, Jerry Lawler's son right. from a previous I marriage. Worked, that's right. Uh, I worked with Brian because we were in Memphis before. So, of yeah. course, Brian Christopher was, was the top, one of the top stars. And it's sad now because he's gone, too. Yeah. It's, this is very sad how he went as well. He, he you know, was committed suicide in jail. You know, no, he was, you always hear the news, wrestling news, that it was always in trouble with the law and stuff and it's very sad how his life
life ended up that. He was a great kid, was a good guy when I was there. He was very funny. He knew he had a chip on his shoulder. He knew, you know what I mean? He, he had a bit of an ego. But he was a fun guy to be around, very funny guy, you know? I mean, we weren't friends, you know, but he was okay with me. He was fun. Who was one of your favorite wrestlers to work matches with? I, I, it was when, when I was with them, when we were yeah. with the WWE. Uh, I had a great run with D'Lo Brown. Okay. D'Lo was a great guy. He was a great guy. He's a good guy and great worker, too. And we, 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 they, put, they put, they booked us together for the house show for, for a couple, for like a month at least. And, uh, mostly in, in the U.S. too, there's some selections for us, but mostly in Canada as well. And we, we hit my hometown, which is in Moncton, with 40 minutes away from here. But this, never lived in Moncton, but I consider my hometown. And we did our Live, live shows there. First time I've been to Moncton with the WWF. So, so it's very exciting. You know, my family were there, my friends. We it was a packed house. I see, I don't know, 7,000 people there on the live event. You know, so Stone Cold, all the big names were there. Stone Cold, uh, Triple H, China, Taker was there, Kane, big name. And I was in the car with Dilo. And what, I was a heel, always been a heel with Kurgan, um, with Jet, with Don Callis. So when I came out, of course, you know, my hometown people, they, they it was instant baby face, of course. <laughs> and it, it was a, it still is today one of my, the highlights of my career. Uh, just working from my hometown crowd to the WWF, you know, and uh, mm. it was a great reaction, great pop. And D-Lo sold, sold for me big time. He, he bumped his ass off for me. And, uh, so that's one, one of my highlights, working with D-Lo. You know, uh, working, who would work with the WWF? I worked with Taker only once. Uh, short match, squash match. He squashed me. It was my last match with them, actually. You were defending the oddity. And uh, so basically, it was the Ministry of Darkness, uh, the other whole gimmick they had. And they just, 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 it was me and the Undertaker, and Taker just, just, you know, takes over five, five minutes, maybe two, three minutes. <laughs> it was a great time, great experience, though, memorable for me for that match, particularly because I, it, it put, I was in the ring first, and then, of course, Taker comes out last. And of course, Taker, with light goes, the light goes down, the bomb, the smoke. I, I got intimidated as well. So <laughs> used to watching these on TV as a fan and as a wrestler, watching them for years, and then all of a sudden I'm in the ring. Him <laughs> coming towards the ring, it was pretty intimidating. The way he walks slowly, you know, he's in the character. Fucking I, I've heard a lot of wrestlers, even those who, like Shawn Michaels, who's wrestling, they said every time the lights go out, the bong hits, it, it's, it's like, okay, can I just leave and go to the bathroom right now? <laughs> it's intimidating. Yeah, you know, but uh, easy, easy, easy guy to work with. Those his punches, kicks, you don't feel him at all. You know, it's it's very professional. Mm. So, and he was happy. He was happy because for the finish, because uh, his finish usually it's a tombstone. You know, and uh, I'm six, I'm six ten. I'm I'm a, I'm a bit taller than him. You know, I got bigger and taller than him. And he says he, he looked at me. Uh, I'm not gonna tombstone. So I was gonna think something. I mentioned. I don't know if I brought up. I think I brought up the chokeslam. I don't know if it was me or him. I forget. I think I might have brought up chokeslam. Well, I never been choke slammed before. I, I didn't even give a lot of choke slams, but I've never been choke slammed, you know? And as I mentioned, well, you, you can choke slam me. He said, oh, hey, can you get up? And, you know, yeah, yeah, I'll get, you, I'll get up for it. So afterwards, I kept asking, oh, 
all the guys who, who know how to take choke slams. I had you, Christian, my friends, and how to take a proper choke slam. And they, you know, they showed me how to leverage and push up and all that stuff. So when the time came, I I, I went up on him as far as I could, you know. And he got a good reaction. And at the end of the match, or after the match, he said, thank you. He was, you know, he was very happy with the, how it went with the finish, at least. <laughs> but to get him over, make sure I wasn't, didn't forget me, you know, when they brought because they didn't let me go they didn't let me go then the, the idea was to send me down me and Silva down to uh, Mexico to work for a few months in the in the uh, storyline because they brought Silva down as a baby face right. giant and they brought me down as a heel so we were basically to get some more training more more experience more you know out of it and then bring me back as a different repackaged gimmick uh, but uh, so, so I'm a ho- I was hoping to give, give him a good exp- uh, impression given that choke slam make sure they didn't forget me that I told them I could pop at least you know and then of course they let me go during when I was in Mexico the run they let me go that's, that, that was it so my last match with Kaker you know awesome. at, least, at least it wasn't much of a match but at least it was, it was still a good yeah, because one you could say you, you wrestled Taker exactly two you're one of the, you're one of the people who could say my final match was with the Taker with the Taker so yeah. so not, not only did he help get you over, but you helped God get him over as well. That's right. Well, so. yeah, for the last few months before, because when they were pushing me at Skurgan, the whole the reason they separated me, one of the reasons they separated me from the church formation, church formation was kind of dying, ran its course. They made us because I was a monster heel. I was almost, you know, nearly seven feet tall. They needed somebody to work with Taker, to, you know, to right. work with him. So the whole idea was to build up to work with him. Now, my run kind of went awry with the whole audit thing. That's what it is, you know. But uh, so at least I work with them. You know, it's not the mass I was hoping for, but at least I did work. That's, that's my experience. Who was one of the stiffest workers you worked with? With the WWF. In WWF. Uh, really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's very much Japanese. <laughs> oh yes. I work with him only once. Only once uh, in, in San Jose, but the Anaheim and the Duck Pond, the Duck. The, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a house show, and uh, I. I remember going to, I had no idea who I was going to work before I got into the building. Got into the building two hours before the show. And I saw the card. You know, there's a, a list of matches. It's Kurgan versus Vader. And I got my, I went cold. And my bullet went cold. <laughs> <laughs> I was intimidated by him because I knew how stiff it worked. You know, in Japan, they work stiff. You know, he's, he's right. much of it. He lays it in. I do lay it in too. You know, I do, I do like to work stiff as well to some extent, you know. Not to hurt the guy, but it's good for TV. When you do TV, you have to, you have to, you know, it's good to be physical. It looks, it looks better, you know. But it, not to hurt the guy, you know? but that's my, that's my style as well. Especially other guys, cause some of the guys, a couple of the guys I know call me crowbar for many reasons. <laughs> but Vader, uh, Vader, I wasn't sure how to work work with him because he's, he's like I said, stiff guy. But he was going over as well. You know, it's kind of a story finish where where he gets over. You know, uh, this is this is great. I thought him going over. I thought it was, was afraid they were, I was going to lose the push I was going to get him because it was a mind mind trick 
things sometimes they didn't know what to do with me sometimes because they were giving me a push and then and then you do a job which is like are they still taking care of me or you know so every week was just a it's hard in the head with them <laughs> so, so I did the job for him was just happy with you know Vader he was of course a big big name big star and then uh, and then when we did the, during the match we got a lot of heat though the crowd was great heat you know people were, were great 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 loud crowd and then he got me in the corner uh, those those forms in the head you know just, just every match he does those, those right. forms oh my god he would block me immediately a few times like I saw stop short short clothesline this so little short clothesline basically his arm he has big arms but he pulls on me right in the face I was like Mark Parker he's this stiff so I was stiff with him too as a I can play that too no I heard him but my forearm to the back was a little heavier you know than usual and then and then match goes over well finish goes over you know good pop good reaction after the match uh, comes back he comes to me says uh, oh, you're too stiff man he was complaining I was <laughs> almost had a concussion working with him <laughs> I mean I kind of likes to complain too they kind of you know he loves to complain because it's just mm. so but no it was you know, that was the stiffest guy I worked with I think throughout my career I worked with a lot of stiff guys and he was Vader I was, I was very happy to work with uh, Vader he was, he was he's a legend you know so uh, Vader's <laughs> he passed away later. Too. Vader's that one guy who yeah. wrestled with his eye, like popped out of his head. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh. Though, like, <laughs> I've been watching over this freaking you know, shutdown because you watch a lot of, you go to YouTube and you go, you, you jump into this rabbit hole. You never stop watching other videos. But I've been watching a lot of road wrestling matches. The era I grew up watching it, and the era I was part of. It. But I don't know why, maybe because there's a crowd. It's nice to see a big crowd reacting. Now there's empty, empty stadiums now, they're working. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see a crowd when it was back then, you know, go, you know, it's kind of reminisce. But uh, one of those the mites with uh, Nicole, but it's uh, <laughs> the freaking eye was just oh, uh, yeah. disgusting. It's yeah. just, um, <laughs> just, just hardcore. <laughs> tough guy, tough guy, though, for sure to go through it. You know? <laughs> do, do you find it hard to watch your old matches? Sometimes it is, yeah. So, you know, I was not polished, you know, uh, it was new to me. The whole thing, just big, like I said, this big machine. I was pretty overwhelmed. I was trying to figure out how to get over. And yeah, some matches early on, it was like it's hard to watch. It is hard to watch. Now, I was very proud. Is it harder to watch your matches, or is, is it harder to watch your matches or to watch uh, stuff you've acted in? <laughs> uh, no, I'm proud of stuff I did on, you know, on CV. Most, for the most part, I'll, I'll watch those. It's funny, though, isn't it? Maybe because yes, a, l- a lot of actors don't like to watch themselves no they, but... don't. they don't and I don't care I don't care I, I, I'm happy to watch them especially with uh, with people friends and watching with them you know I watch my stuff in theater it's something that I'm proud of though. depends what I do right if I'm naked somewhere maybe not you know <laughs> 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 if I'm getting uh, uh, you know raped I never got my character never got raped though but uh, you know it's pretty bad to say that but yeah I wouldn't watch, be proud to watch that over and over I guess but, uh, but most part stuff I did yeah, stuff I did. Uh, I'm very happy with it. Very proud. Well. Used to watch it, even though some of the movies are bad. Some of the couple of films that I've made are not that good. I'm happy the roles I played. You know, so I'll watch. I'll watch my part. Yeah. Oh, 
we, we could go back a ways and talk about one film that you know it may have been considered a bad movie it was, it was one that you start you're in with uh this uh independent film guy um robert robert something jr oh robert downey jr sherlock holmes oh yeah um rumor has it you you accidentally hit him pretty good during film i hit him pretty good <laughs> it was an accident <laughs> was it that that that's gonna be when, when i die it's gonna be my tombstone it's funny how I, I do remember very vividly but you know that night you know that week but that night especially it was at the dark yard uh, the boat the boat yeah. Yeah. and uh it's it tough it's it was, uh, uh, challenge, technically challenging, you know, a lot of stuff going on, big scenes, huge scenes, a lot of playing out of this big, the big hammer, basically smack through stuff. So it's very, it's very challenging. Uh, that and Robert Downey, great, nice man, you know, uh, he's a going guy, amazing actor. It's fascinating to see, you know, it's, it's every time he talks, you just want to shut up, you just want because he nothing is interesting after he talks to me, anyways. Like everything is interesting when I talk afterwards, I have nothing interesting. <laughs> So he's a fascinating guy, very funny guy, very charismatic. Uh, but he, he's always thought about stuff to do in a, in a, in a fight scene, especially. You know? So basically, throw away the script and put the improv, do a lot of on the spot stuff to add on to the fight. And uh, one of them was where I, I go clock him towards, towards his face, give him a jab, and he blocks it, uh, my, my fist, and I basically hit him in the chest instead. And then he, he falls back and roll the barrels, and then we continue with right. the fight. So we, we we rehearsed that a couple of times. Maybe not as not as uh, the thing is with rehearsals. We used to rehearsal with stunt guys and stunt doubles. At, at, uh, not on set, basically at a gym somewhere. Then the day of shooting, we rehearsed that, and then Garicci had different ideas for it. You know, let's change it, and Robert wants to change it too. So the fight changes. You know, so you don't really have time to rehearse. First of all, you're on set. You know, the winner right. of, of the rehearsing is the, you know you don't have. And then, uh, so we rehearsed a couple times with the whole thing with the punch thing. Okay, well, time to shoot. Okay, that's time to shoot. And so we're shooting, a lot of stuff going on, sequences, punching, ducking. Uh, and then when it came time to the, do that punch sequence, in my mind, you can't fake it though, you know, because I have to make it work. I have to go towards his face. It is up to him to, to right. block it, to push it down. So I have to go towards his face because, and it happens so fast, you know, you can't really stop, you know. At the last second, so when it went towards his chin, he forgot the block. This happens, but I mean, this it's not like he. You know. So my fist continued and it hit him in the chin, and I felt I remember feeling his uh, mouth his chin uh, on my hands, and I knew I hurt. I knew uh, I clocked him, and I, immediately I felt like shit. You know, just hit Robert Downey in the face, and then he went down. I think he was still in acting mode, such a professional. You know, he's, he's such a method actor. He was still in character. He was underground. Now, everybody on set, maybe, maybe except the, the stunt uh, coordinator, everybody else thought it was part of the fight, you know, that he was dragging himself. You know, I saw blood coming out of his mouth, so I knew it was pretty bad. And, it was, I, and basically it said, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Oh, sorry, 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 you know, when I was trying to catch up to him. And everything stopped. They realized that he was hurt. Uh, they stopped filming. And I thought I broke something, you know, something serious, but it was only his lip, his bottom lip. They cut uh, so they were, the 
stop the bleeding, and they were worried about the swab, so they put some ice on it to continue the fight, you know, so it wouldn't look bad on camera. But they caught the, the main camera, the main camera didn't, caught, it didn't catch it because it was my back was on it. My back was hiding it. But the, uh, this, uh, the, the assistant fight coordinator had this camcorder. He filmed it, and he filmed the part where uh, he saw me connect with Robert. So, so it was good because there was evidence that it was just an accident. It was really right. <laughs> my fault. So, you know. Well, the reason why I remember the story is I remember Robert Downey Jr. on Letterman. That's right. And he goes, I, it was my fault. Robert was more upset than I was about it. <laughs> very true. I was very upset. And the next day, because I was so upset, upset with the whole thing, he had to go to the hospital. He had to have five stitches. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. The next day, I was in the makeup trailer getting, getting myself ready. You know, and then uh, Robert comes in out of nowhere, out of the blue. And then he puts a gift bag beside me. I kind of a gift bag. Oh, gift bag. Boom, on, the t- on my table. And then he just leaves without saying goodbye or hello. He's like, what the hell? And then I, I open it up. It's a... Uh, a, a nice bottle of champagne uh, and in a card he written personally saying, uh, this card saying everything's okay everything's cool don't worry about it let's finish the rest of the week to doing you know so basically lifting lifting up my spirits you know so, so it's a very classy of him to do you know? yeah. I still have the yeah, bottle really. still have the bottle you know here never been <laughs> drank, never drank it so but it was very very nice that's awesome yeah. see it, we've heard I know I've heard quite a bit of stories like this now if this was pre Iron Man when he was still bouncing in and out of drug rehab and, and not sober, it might have been a totally different story. But he, he, he's definitely, I think that's what makes him the perfect Tony Stark and the perfect uh, Sherlock Holmes is he 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 lived what those characters yes. went through. He went through hell, you know. I mean, there was a point where he maybe couldn't be alive, wouldn't be alive, to, you know. And he was heading to that direction. He lost everything. Yeah. His reputation, his life. His, he crashed he hard. Crashed hard. And then his comeback, I mean, that was there for his comeback. Was, I mean, we doing Sherlock Holmes. Now this is after Iron Man. And it was, and Sherlock Holmes gave him a lot of success as well. He was on the road, you know. And it was uh, fascinating to see him work. I mean, He's just a genius actor. His method of acting was fascinating. But he's a very health conscious. I mean, he's he's into the martial arts. Especially he used that physicality that's his knowledge in the movie with all his fighting. He did pretty much all his fights oh, yeah. for the most part. But it's, it's, it's all, it does, he, he has knowledge in, you know, five years in the martial arts and Kung Fu. And uh, very health nut. He's a health guy. You know, takes his vitamins and eats healthy. So he's completely different direction in a good way, you know. And, you know, doing Iron Man and the Marvel movies and this incredible run. It's unbelievable. Do, do you find that your time as a pro wrestler has helped uh, make the transition to movies, especially when when you're booked in a in a villain role or, or that brute role and you had the fights? Yes, it did. I think it did very much. So. Uh, as a wrestler, you tell a story. Very much is very theater. You tell a story with your body, with your body in a way. So it was an easy transition. I knew my limits. I knew what I could work with, what, what I had. Like the whole Kurgan or imposing big guy, you know, monster. I can play that role, and I, I learned that a lot from being a pro wrestler and being in front of crowd as well. You, you start off with a couple hundred people at home, you know, when you start start local, and then you go out to thousands and thousands. 
thousands of people in the states and all over the world. So you get comfortable with yourself and ring. So I remember my first gig, my big time, well, the first 300. My first day, I was all in chains, just covered in five hours of prosthetic makeup. All in chains, but they all made the immortals. And I was supposed to this crazy berserker, right? And I remember Zack Snyder giving me my first direction, uh, basically saying, just go, just go crazy. Just scream and go, go, go nuts. And I said, and I thought to myself, well, I, said, I can do that. That's Kurgan. <laughs> I, I can do Kurgan. <laughs> well, I was very comfortable playing that part, you know. Uh, and I got a good reaction out of it, too. We popped that first take we did. Uh, so the 50, 60 people behind the camera, and they all, they all cheered after I did that. So I said, well, something's working. That's good. But uh, so that did help me. That really did help. Because uh, WWF, especially, is very much uh, showbiz. It's very much like a, it's a TV production. It's very much like Hollywood. So I was mm-hmm. very familiar first time I worked on the set. Yeah. But it's, it how much to a certain extent, especially in the acting part, because wrestling, you, 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 uh, as, a, or as a wrestler, you, uh, you because it's live, so you got to uh, perform for the crowd, for the people behind, in the back, in the bleeding section, in the nosebleed section. So you, you get to, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? You overreact. Exaggerate, right. yeah. Exaggerate a bit. Right, uh, yeah. Either you're in pain or you're pissed off, you're angry, you go, you're over the top. Like, very much like theater. Theater is kind of over the top because you got to reach out to everybody at the, in, the, in, the, in the stands, in the seats. Films are different. Films are different because you got a camera right in your face, very close, from shoulder to head. And you can't do that. You can't overreact because it won't work. you, you got to subdue uh, the act natural, you know. So you got to subdue. Yeah, use your facial expression, but not in the cartoon way. But, but yeah, I really had to subdue the Kurgan thing, I guess, make it more natural, more acting. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on with acting. You got to concentrate. You know, the character you're playing, the scene, the people to work with, and the scene you're doing. You know, but uh, so it's all over the top stuff. You know, so that was a challenge for me. A bit of a challenge, but you get to learn a lot from other actors, and you learn along the way. Well, I never, I never took an acting class. I just learned it from experience working with wrestling. You know, you know uh, but you learn from all auditions and stuff you, you learn over time to, to act natural to, to not uh, go over the top you know to, min- to try to minimize your, your your energy and put it all in your eyes <laughs> have you ever have you ever walked into a to a scene on set for a scene fight scene and the fire choreographer just says okay here's your spots and here's the finish make sure you hit them but you can get there however you want no a fight for choreograph fighting films no most most fights I did was all no you couldn't do improv a lot like like wrestling it was mostly planned or rehearsed before yeah this is good you know you know especially when you're working with great stunt coordinators you know uh, they know what you're doing they know my limitations as well because you know i'm not a high flyer or acrobat i'm a big guy who you know agile can move certain ways i can you know so you to choose my my strong points and my weak points so you can you can make a good match out of it it's mostly rehearsed a lot before so it's never you know like 300 state that fight sequence stayed the same okay. uh, and Sherlock Holmes well, that was not a lot of improv but for the most part, you know, it stayed true. Yeah, uh, all the fun stuff I did was pretty much fine. You know, maybe some stuff where it's improvised, a couple of things you got to improvise. You take the but uh, no, I'm happy when it's planned that way. So you know, you can play, you can play with it though. You, you have to fight, you, you memorize. Sometimes you can play, you know, depending on how many takes you're going to make, you can sometimes improvise, and make it better too. You know? I learned that a lot from wrestling. Wrestling, the wrestle work with 
with the same guy every day, but you can also add something to it to make it better. So that's the first. You want the same crowd won't see the same match, so you're in the Japan, so you can get away with that. So, yeah, you can always make it better. Now, one of my guilty pleasure movies, you play Lieutenant Gandowski. In Pacific Rim, mm-hmm. what are some of the fun stories you could you could talk about with that film? Uh, well, the whole thing I was approached for the first time. They approached me through the email. They emailed me asking me my availability to work on Pacific Rim. That's it. Pacific, they didn't they didn't hide the title. You know, it wasn't <laughs> there was no secrecy. You know, no Mission Impossible secrecy. It was Pacific Rim? Like, what the hell is Pacific Rim? So of course you know, I go to IMBD, click on it, and then the synopsis. So it's very short. You know, it's basically human heroes with robots fighting against giant monsters. Basically, yeah. So, and directed by Guillermo. Director, so Guillermo was right there, the main director. Well, this is cool. Guillermo, big director. But the synopsis was very vague, you know. But I know it was a big sci-fi movie. So, in my head, why they, they contacted me, was it going to play one of the monsters? To, like, a, like a motion capture monster? You know, but I'm still used to playing. Oh, yeah. So, used to playing, you know, creature. So I thought maybe, maybe this is cool. I was happy to play to be part of the movie, whatever part of it was have. So I'm going to play a monster fighting fighting robots. And then I got more and more uh, emails. And then, then they finally told me what my part would be. It was be one of the, uh, the humans, the pilots, probably one of the robots uh, to fight against them. And so I was told, the first time I was, I was going to be a hero. <laughs> this is, is mind-blowing to itself. But I wanted the pilots to speak the robots. So, so it was... It was it was getting cooler and cooler. It was getting more badass every time I saw the email. I mean, this is cool. And there was no audition. Uh, uh, Guillermo saw me in a, an indie film, U.S. indie film I, shot, I did called The Big Bang. It's on the IMDb on my list uh, of films. It's, I worked with the, I played a Russian boxer, former Russian boxer who uh, gets into trouble. He hires Antonio Banderas who plays the detective. It's a crazy film, indie film, you know, but uh, uh, great Cat, yeah. Antonio got Snoop Dogg, you know, Sam Elliott, Bill Fisher, Delroy Lindo, you know, great character, you know, uh-huh. and that was mind blowing. Uh, but the film, you know, is went to DVD directly, you know what I mean? It was in the film, went to DVD. It, it really was, uh, people, you know, didn't do it well as I was hoping for. I was very proud of that part, though, but my first dramatic part, this is after Sherlock Holmes, excuse me. Yeah, it was a great role for me. The role was the heart of story, it was a heart of film. And all, all my scenes was with uh, Antonio. This is, again, another actor. It's just amazing. Very nice man and awesome to work with. You know, it's just so intense when you get into the role of the character. So it's, it's fun. But like I said, the film didn't, you know, didn't do as well. But you know, it takes one director, one Hollywood director to see that movie. And you, you like my performance, you like my look, I guess. You like my, you like my, what I did to the film, to the character. And he just offered me the role in Pacific Rim. And that was it. Basically, you want it. You know? mm. And uh, so, and the whole process of doing the film was awesome too the Pacific Rim seeing our costume design come into life and girls costume fittings they hired Heather Dirksen who plays uh, Sasha counterpart partner either my sister or wife is very vague you know? <laughs> <laughs> she, they had to cast somebody tall you know, to match me you know? so she's like 5'10 something from Vancouver and uh, we got along very well she's a really great so great friend today but uh, so a lot of preparation for it so we had to do, do some uh, physical training and Choreograph too, because in the compound, if you remember, we have to, to uh, match our, our moves uh, chronologically. Uh, so we did, we did a lot of rehearsals with the then choreographer, and uh, so a lot of preparation for that movie. And the sets were 
are amazing. The compots scene, where it was on a gimbal. It kept moving back and forth. It was water throwing at us, smoke, and this. it's like a, a simulator from hell, you know? <laughs> In a good way. And, and, you're, and you're standing the whole time. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, we are. But we're hooked on for safety reasons. We're all hooked on. we got harnesses underneath. We've got cables uh, on our sides and cables above us. And uh, so, basically, what we would do between takes is just like a marionette. Just put all our weight down just to take a nap, just to rest. And we, we, because it took so long to hook us up, it took so long to take us out, like 30 minutes, 40 minutes. It's oh, a, wow. a lot of time using on, on, on that day, on the filming. So we would stay there on, on set. <laughs> While they all take their breaks, we would stay on set just hanging from the cable, just taking uh-huh. advantage of the, closing our eyes. And uh, five hours on, on that set, five hours straight. We started early in the morning, and then five hours. So it was grueling. I mean, like, awesome, though. And, you know, like a kid in a candy store, you know, being, when, you, when you see the film, the final results, where, you know, you see us in the head of the of our channel alpha, yeah, it was awesome. It was great. It was a great experience overall. Working some great actors, you know, Idris Elba, uh, yeah. and Sean yeah. Hunter. Yeah. was so hot from Sunday Anarchy. You know, we went to a, 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 a bar during the shooting. Uh, the bar invited Charlie. He invited Charlie to come to the, to the bar. And basically saying, to come to the bar, you have free drinks. So Charlie and all, most of the actors, like us, was like, oh, okay, let's go. Let's go to the bar and get some free drinks. So we had this VIP section, you know, private just for the actors, for the cast. But of course, the owner told everybody at, at the club saying Charlie Hunter was going to be there. So there's just chaos and chaos. <laughs> everybody wanted to touch Charlie. All the women wanted to touch Charlie. You know, you know, the women, you know, the women they asked me to go ask Charlie something. Like, I was a, we're all messengers for Charlie. <laughs> so it was too much. To we got out of the place. It was too, just too much. Just, yeah, yeah. So it was just overwhelming. So we got out and went to this private uh, bar. It was just us, you know. This was just fine, you know. But uh, no, you know, no Pacific Rim, the whole thing was great. Great sets. Guillermo was awesome to work with. You know, it's very funny, man. It's just, yeah. It's, this is the closest thing I could get to Star Wars. I've never been in a Star Wars movie, but I thought this is the closest thing I could get to Star Wars. I the biggest movie I've ever worked on. I think one of my favorite moments is when your character is first introduced and you're walking by. Yeah. And everyone, everyone looks at you then as you keep getting closer, the heads just keep rolling back. I'm like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> that, took a whole, that took a whole day, dude. Just the walking from, from point A to point B with all our, our people. Uh, it took a whole day because there's a lot of stuff going on down that scene because they had the Charlie Hunnam and Idris characters telling, you know, right. also sitting around them. They basically introduced our characters. But uh, if so, was, so they sitting around them, sitting around us. And it's a lot of coverage. Huge scenes. It took 10, 12 hours. So we had to walk in uncomfortable shoes. It was all body scan for us. The suit, the big compound suit. We, we felt so badass in those suits. So huge, you know. So, so powerful. Uh, but it wasn't, wasn't comfortable, you know. It was shaping a lot, for sure. And I remember the boots were not comfortable. And so me and Heather were just walking back. Boom, 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 boom. Get cut. Go back. And boom, boom, boom. Reset, reset. Yeah, it was sore. People were sore. But, you know, didn't care. You know, in the film, you know, when it comes to filming, you're in character. That's all that matters, you know. You want to see people to see the character and not guys, the actors complaining. <laughs> so, but it was, 
But so it's a tough, tough thing. The original scene was supposed to, in this script, how they introduce our characters is where we come face to face with the, the Asian, the triplets. The thing yeah. is, well, the ball, they were playing basketball. Everyone is interested in the film. The final film, they're playing basketball together. Well, in the original script, they, they play basketball and the ball goes, uh, lost control of the ball and it hits our ghetto blaster. We're playing hard rock music and it hits our ghetto blaster. So me, the Russians get pissed off. So it's kind of this, uh, uh, East, what do you call it, uh, East Side, uh, West Side Story thing okay. going on. Yeah. But two groups, oh, yeah. thing, and what are you going to do about it? What you, you know, that type of deal. Guillermo father was too choreographed. And so he introduced, at the last minute, introduced us to introduce our characters. As we're just coming out to finish a mission, coming out of our, 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 our Philadelphia. So they look, they look more badass that way. And the suits were really that ready the day, the day before. So they were in a rush to finish the suits down because it was always last minute stuff. During filming, all stuff going on that that changed at the last minute, you know. And uh, but it worked. That scene worked because it was a great way to introduce our characters. That uh, you know, it was cool. It was very cool. It was great wearing. You know, they played our hair blonde. Uh, never been blonde before. So they <laughs> had to do it five six times throughout the whole shoot to, to dye my hair. It was hard in the hair, harder on Heather. He lost a couple of gigs because it was a it was a time a gap, a three four months gap. Was, the film started shooting in November and it wrapped in April. So we did our stuff, some of our stuff in November. Now we came back in February and April. So there was a few weeks gap that we didn't do anything. We were hold, hold up at home. And Heather, because she was blonde, she lost some gigs because she was, she was blonde. You know? So it was financially, the stuff, but you know, she she loved, loved her character, though. It was worth the lovely part of it. But yeah, it was a great time to be in that movie. Being in Hollywood, too, going to Hollywood. The first time I went to a premiere, Hollywood premiere, was for Pacific Rim. So oh, wow. My wife and I went to... Uh, LA were invited to go and yeah, went to the uh, Hollywood Boulevard and had the whole you know, red well, it was more than red carpet it was black but uh, it was all, it was, all it, was, it was like a jungle you know, a, control, a controlled jungle I would say it was just fans and barricades and you had your handler with you who was represented by Warner Brothers handler to tell you where to go and who to talk to for the new press and interviews and, and going to the Dolby Theater ah. for the movie was just it was very cool it was a great experience yeah. that's interesting the yeah. film did well too. We were, the film did very well but of course they didn't do that well in North America uh, they're very well in China and that's why in the China market they're very well but that's why they came up with the sequel right. uh, and the sequel was lacking something Guillermo was supposed to direct it but he, he couldn't at the end of act out for some other reasons uh, scheduling, scheduling I guess uh, he was one of the writers and producers but it was it was different though uh, of course Guillermo wasn't directing the second one so it was missing his style you know the, the first you know, so it, was, it was good I liked the second one I liked the direction they did uh, Second one wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was good. Not as I thought. Not as great. Personal uh, Guillermo. Yeah, yeah. It's his. It's the. It's the intention deal. No, uh, I, I like the twist where uh, the one character is losing his mind because of when he tried to connect right. with that him. Was a, that was a kind of a twist. I didn't see that coming. Uh-uh. It was kind of a likable comedy part in the first yeah. film. Is it Charlie, is it Charlie, uh, Charlie Dick. Yeah, yeah. Very funny, very funny guy in real life. So it was, and the, both of them, the, the, the two of them, the characters together, they are very funny. But in the second film, that was a twist. I didn't see that. Yeah. So it's too bad. I don't think there'll be a third film. 
because I don't think I was got something else. It was a sequel, but I don't know if that's going to happen. But there's no payoff. Uh, you know? that's, yeah, <laughs> that's too bad. Yeah. yeah no, but I like I liked it. I like the, the idea to happen as Russian girl. The Russian girl is one of the highest. In a comic book, they made a, a prequel comic book. Yeah. Connect the first film to the sequel. Yeah. And apparently, that, that was our Oscar. So, yeah. But it was never mentioned in the movie, but in the comic book, it was mentioned girl. Because if you look at the girl, she's Ukrainian, but she's green outfit with the blonde hair. Yeah. Right. Well, she could have been our, <laughs> our, our daughter, I guess. But it's never mentioned in the film, I guess. But let the fans figure that out. Out. Yeah. There it is. Was cool on our wall too the wall of the wall of fame of the pilots our pictures were on the wall of our characters this is very cool too it was very cool mm. <laughs> I'd love to know some of the stories behind a movie that Derek you, you and Chris probably need to do on Keepers of the Fringe that's Monster Brawl tell us a little bit about it and what are some great stories you have from, from on set with it uh, uh, Monster Brawl the, the, the three best friends they're all from Collinwood, Ontario. Just two hours north of Toronto. A small town, a resort town. Really, tourists. We're, we're tourists going to the summer. Cottage, cottage country. Yeah, those three brothers were part of this production company to make indie horror genre films. And uh, they approached me, again, through email. They wanted me for the role of Frankenstein. Uh, they pitched the idea, they, they were pitching the idea of uh, uh, 80s wrestling and classic monsters. The past from using classic monster movies. They mashed it, mash it together. And they showed me some concepts part of my character where basically it was Kurgan one of my stills from Kurgan and it just decorated it with the, <laughs> the bolts <laughs> it, looked bad. it looked awesome it looked great I was like wow this is I wasn't sure I was interested in making the film because it was an indie film didn't know the guys and I was, wasn't sure what if it was going to be alright good or not but they wanted me they, they kept asking me and emailing me they were so interested in me they wanted me for the part I was first the first one to being approached by the being cast. And I finally gave in and said, okay, yeah, I'm interested now. Yeah, if you want to be so bad, it could be fun to play. You know, I'm playing the Frankenstein and wrestling, wrestling, which I knew, you know, and familiar with. I can play a monster and Frankenstein, do my take on it. And then, uh, so the first day, well, days before we started filming, uh, I heard about what, what who they cast, you know, cast Kevin Nash, Jimmy Hart, all before, you know, former stars. And so, I never met Kevin Nash when on my run Kevin Ash was with the WCW, so, right. so, so, so I was interested in meeting him. You know? and, uh, and, and so I was looking forward to it. And they, they built this great set, though. They were the cemetery uh, with the ring, the old cemetery with the ring with all the crypts. It was all practical stuff, you know. They built it inside of work, and, uh, and they did a great job. It, it, was, it was a lot of attention to detail, you know. So it, it blew me away. So I knew these those guys didn't have a lot of money, you know, for the new film. Uh, they had they had the passion. So they had a great vision for for the story. Uh, and then they wanted me to shave my hair, my, my facial hair and my hair. And they offered, they offered me, before they asked, they offered me a lobster, a lobster dinner. But of course, I'm from the Maritimes. I'm from the East Coast. <laughs> Thinking it would be easier, easier to ask after I had my lobster. Which I think it's <laughs> 
they shaved my head basically that's that same night after I got off so they had to shave my hair and uh, and it, it, was, it was fun it was, it was four or five days four days really happened it was tough makeup was uh, okay it was tough to get out the suit some sort of material which is not easy to take off at the end of the day but it was hard on the skin but the, I used contact lenses uh, that was not made for me originally so they had some spare contact lenses basically saying but they didn't want to go to waste you know they spent a lot of money on the lenses so they wanted me to wear it and so it was very foggy there's one eye was uh, well both of them they were very foggy it was hard to see it's like being looking underwater you know it was, if, it was, if it was light it was okay you can distinguish people if it was dark it was dark now was this because they were mm. a, a prescription cosmetic lens or was it because and they were not meant for me there was just foggy the sizing okay yeah. and they didn't have an optometrist on set when I worked on 300 and all the old big productions they had an optometrist on set so, so they could take your lenses spray make sure you put drops in your eye make sure you don't Right. On the indie show, they, didn't, they couldn't afford one. So mostly the makeup guys would do it. And they, they, they would get frustrated because it's not easy to put content lenses in, for me especially. You know, to try to get it in, you, get, you just get mad. Not at me, but at the whole thing. So the most part, and so they didn't want to take it off sometimes. Just to save time and save the frustration. Yes. So the most part, I had to keep it on all day. Even, even lunch breaks as well, lunchtime. So, I mean, I had no agent at the time. If I had an agent at the time, I'm sure I would have complained. I would have said something. If I had no agent, I would go on my own. So, fuck, screw it. Yeah, let's do this. But I wore the contact lenses the whole, the whole day like that. So I'm sure it wasn't good for me. It made it work, though. You know, it was, it was, it was the stunt fights and stuff so you know they look great visually you know, on film you know but it was not easy to sometimes I had to be let in the ring you know because it was <laughs> bump into things or fall you know. but was, I had a great experience working <laughs> with, uh, with working with Kevin Kevin shared, was just shared stories with wrestling day he was a funny guy so it was a great time <laughs> I didn't see Jeannie though I saw Jeannie at the premiere he was a cool guy interesting guy the guy doesn't age it's just a lot of energy <laughs> but it was fun it was a fun show yeah I'm happy I the film came out you know, it was different very different uh, uh, you know, playing Frankenstein it was tearing people's heads off it was stomping stomping squashing squashing heads it was fun it was fun so Derek yeah. you got anything else uh, no I think we covered a pretty good amount of stuff we here. have we have I know I've been reaching out for you for a while so I I want to say thank you for, for responding to me on Facebook about coming on I, I've been looking forward to this for a while to get you and I, and I'm so happy because I loved you. I'm I'm probably one of the few. I actually loved your character in WWE. I've I've <laughs> loved watching you in films, and um, now I'm excited to see Becky. Partially because I want to see Kevin James, but because you're in it as well. Um, yeah, I I think I I think I agree with one of your wishes. I want to see you in a Star Wars property. Yeah, I do too. I, th- I think. I think you would be great. Whether it's something yeah, with the, like season three of Mandalorian, you would be awesome in that. If not, maybe in something coming up in the future, whether it's... Uh, well, they're planning to do... Uh, of course, they're not done already. They? They're planning to... What's his name? The director? Uh, Takiya Weedy. He's, he's going to do one, though. I mean, there's still... Yeah, right. You know, if we forget that opportunity, that would be a bucket list. That would be definitely a bucket list. Star film, Indiana Jones movie, Bond movie. That would be... It's all films I grew up watching, you know, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're working on, you're working on it. That would be kind of a good yeah. feedback. Yeah. But, I mean, this year... Yeah, you'd be great. This year, obviously, I, I mean, in the beginning of the year, you know, 
know, I was hoping, I was hoping to get work this summer, this year, get more work. You know, like Becky was, I did another film in December called Vicious Fun. It's a, it's a Canadian Indian film. Shot pretty much not far from where we shot Becky, of uh, north of Toronto huh. or east of Toronto, uh, in, the, in the suburbs, in the rural area. And Vicious Fun is it's probably up your alley too. The film is a genre horror film and very much in the 80s space as well. Very the culture of the, of the 80s where oh, cool. the idea of the synopsis it's on it's on NBD it's on my list it's on the uh, in a, you'll, you'll, you'll see the synopsis of the film but David Kettner uh David Kettner the comedian from uh, Anchorman yes yeah awesome I know guy. him but... he's one of the stars and it's about a group of self uh, serial killers who goes on a meeting once a month it's kind of a self-help group of meetings and this guy this writer this, this innocent guy inadvertently becomes part of the meeting pretends to be somebody else and so he's trying to get out of it before he gets found out and before he gets murdered by the serial killer so I'm, I'm one of the killers uh, kind of this Michael Myers type killers and the other guys are, are different sorts of killers as well you know a killer or, or a Dexter killer all these different right. serial killers and that's the comedy that's how it starts you know, the way the film starts and uh, we did huh. that in December before Christmas and it was supposed to come out this year so with this whole you know well, down, not sure. hopefully it will come out somewhere somewhere but I'm not sure about that. well when it does come out feel free to come back feel free to bring some of the cast along with you we'll, we'll have fun talking about the film I love that movie I mean, the, the, that's why I'm so looking forward to uh, with Becky even someone's talking to you guys as well because the last two months has been boring uh, I, <laughs> wrapping my head around that I'm not going to do I'm not going to do uh, acting gig this year or maybe next year who knows who the hell knows right. but hopefully this uh, year yeah. uh, all right shut down so I was looking forward to do some more interesting stuff so, uh, of course I don't think that was going to happen so I'm always looking to, so I was looking forward for Becky and this is fun did a couple stuff for Netflix as well they're coming out soon you know, episodic stuff I did oh, they're, cool. they're coming out soon this year sometime doing, I did some ADR for a couple of them uh, but uh, so everything the stuff comes out that I worked on I'm looking forward to it that's something to, to distract me all over this uh, hey, craziness maybe, maybe we could convince the WWE to bring you back as a manager for someone now. <laughs> I don't know. Especially in NXT. NXT, yeah. They're doing some good stuff in NXT. Yeah. Um, no, it's essential. That's all. Yeah. It's essential. <laughs> Tell me about it. Unfortunately, my job's not essential here in Florida. Oh, really? I work at Walt Disney World as an audio engineer. So, yeah, we're closed. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, I haven't hit a time clock since March 16th when I clocked out to come home. No, no. But, um, are you are you watching any wrestling now? And who are you watching? Uh, no, I, I, not really. No, I do see highlights from here and there. You know, highlights from the training facility with Raw. I just I saw some highlights from WrestleMania because I had I had to. I was curious how how they want to go pull that off. Having a WrestleMania without a without a crowd is yeah. Different. Uh, just yeah, but no, I don't follow it much. But like I said before, I usually watch older matches. Stuff. They, I I had heard that between Wrestlemania and of course they just had money in the bank um, no. the way they've had to do some of these matches with them being pre-taped um, yeah. before the event uh, like the ladder matches were done like late April yeah. or, or mid-April because of it um, that that may be a direction he's going to go with pay-per-views in the future with some of them which, which would be interesting it would be 
I heard, I heard, I don't know if it's true, that then to be true, that he might stop a lot of event shows and just do his TV pay-per-view to save. Because a lot of guys get injured. Of course, right. it's a rough sport, nonetheless. A lot of guys get injured. But he might be more, make more money doing TV than what it does on live events shows, you know, and probably less chance of guys hurting themselves on live shows. Because wow. it's going to change with the whole thing. He have to, yeah. he have to, you know, and right now he's adapting without crowd. He had to cut back a lot, you know, he had to release a lot of wrestlers and staff to do it. Yeah, it's, it's different though. Mm-hmm. But he's you know if he wants to, he got to survive, I suppose. You know? uh, the, the three shows I've been watching the most, um, it's been AEW because I, I really like what Cody and uh, Kenny Omega and the the um, well, the Young Bucks. Young Bucks yeah. um, I, I like what they're doing with this alternate look. Uh, NXT, I like cause I like what Triple H has going on down there. What Paul's got yeah. going on down there. Uh, and then the other one that. Um, I, I've caught on to through Facebook, which has really caught me off guard, is NWA when that came back, the power, uh, NWA Power Hour, and that and that's almost like the old uh, Mid South uh, Georgia wrestling uh, UWA USWA, yeah, or it's the studio, and most of the people in the studio are actually the employees of the company, and that's your crowd watching the matches. And like, okay, I, I'm really digging this. Well, the champion, what's his name? The British is it? British champion, the uh, uh, NWA champion. It's not British. Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, Nick Nick Aldis. Yeah, well, he was at Moncton in February. A lot of it, Moncton, an indie show they did at a casino, not far from here. He was one of the main eventers. And, uh, and this, I was there I was there as a special appearance. I did a couple of choke signs. I did a, <laughs> did a couple of choke signs and got out and got paid. Easy game. So I didn't have to put my boots on. But uh, and I, I had a match with one of the top guys here uh, uh, in the main event. And great match, great storytelling. And that's the, those are the matches I grew up watching. Yeah. And, uh, and I wish they had more of today and just a full build just technical stuff and a full build of Jotan. no crazy bounce to a table yeah. and chairs ladders just net storytelling that, you know? that's what I'm really that's what I'm really digging with uh, with the NWA power, with NWA power it, it's got that old school yeah. studio build I was a fan of NWA I was a fan of pro wrestling overall of course the WWF but my favorite was, was when was NWA was yeah. back in the late 80s and I was just watching it just tonight the last couple nights of the tradition <laughs> My favorite team was the sky, Skyscraper. Okay, yeah. I remember Skyscraper. was there before he was there. But that era, I love that era. It was yeah. great. Awesome well, wrestlers. No gimmicky. It wasn't really that much gimmicky, too. Like WWF. Well, check, check out check out NWA Power. Um, I mean, they've got, they've got the they got the stand-up desk where, where the commentator's there, and he conducts the interviews behind the desk like the old... Um, the old uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling or the old uh, whatever, whatever uh, Mid-South Wrestling before it became WCW. Um, they've, they've got the, the table you know, and the wrestlers use the table slap it, lean on it when they do the interviews. I, you know, when you think of Flair's interview and you think right. of all his different you know, high-flying limousine riding and, and Dusty's uh, son of a plumber promos you got that same vibe right there and and it's awesome and when you see the wrestlers walk in the right camera shot you see the little 
interview broadcast area right there. Like, okay, this is what I grew up with. This is, this is something cool that I like. Well, they had that when I was with the USWA a few months. It was a TV studio in Memphis. Yeah. The same, the same setup. They had yep. a desk that all the two, Dutch Mantel. Yep. And Lance Russell. Lance Russell, the great yep. voice of the South of comedy. Yeah. And both there. And then a small studio with 40, 50 people. Yeah. You know, but live. Every Saturday was live. Yeah. Uh, and it was this, a great atmosphere. Yeah. Where can, where can people find you online? Uh, a couple. This is uh, Facebook, of course. I got my fan page on Facebook uh, and Twitter, which would be under my name. Okay. And I'll be on Twitter. I'll, I'll go, funny though, I go lately, I go a little bit more on Facebook than on Twitter. Very, I've been lagging a lot and I haven't been posting. Once in a while, I do post something, but I'm, I'm more of a, on Facebook. My family, well, my daughter wants me to go on Instagram. I think my agent as well. It's open something on, you know, open an account on Instagram. I might do that. Instagram's a total different beast yeah well the thing yeah. is you every day with some yeah pictures or video yeah. my daughter on instagram and she takes pictures of her food everything she makes food or something decorative <laughs> she'll take a picture and put a that's her thing right you know she's 15 year old but for me i can't uh, i don't know I'll take pictures every all day and just put it on instagram i don't know I have, i'm glad my daughter hasn't figured out instagram yet she's only 10 so, so that's a good thing yeah we're, we're real close in age, actually. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll turn 50 in August. So yeah, It's weird turning 50. It's not too bad now, but before the days before, before you turn, you know, the big the big number, it's weird. It screws up your mind. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I got something to look forward to. Yeah. No, man. <laughs> The thing is, is, yeah, it's just a number for sure. But it's just, it is a reminder of you are not 20 years old. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's weird how time goes, you know? You're, you're, like I said, you're 20 years old, you're about to start your wrestling career or something. Life's about to happen. Right. You know, you had the future ahead of you, and then all of a sudden you're 50. <laughs> you know? The stuff you did, yeah. all the stuff you did yeah. in, the, in the past, it's like, what the hell? It's time flying. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, well, I'll be turning 50 going, wow, in three months, my daughter turns. 11. Crap. <laughs> it is tough because my daughter likes to be 15, but then, you know, in a couple of years or three years from now, she'll be away from home. She wants to go to college or university. And, you know, so see, we were watching her so much as, you know, throughout right. the whole school since uh, daycare or, you know, grade one. And then all of a sudden, she's going to be graduating or doing her whole life. And, yeah, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around that. I'll see oh, yeah. The future. Oh yeah. Well, well, thank you for coming on and, and joining us. Yeah. Um, definitely. When, when the next film after Becky, uh, the other film comes out, well, come back and let's, let's bring some of your castmates on as well. That'll be fun. I love you. I'm sure you'll be happy. You'll be happy to do that too. Happy to talk to you. So, um, on that note, there's only one question we have left to ask. Want to know more? <laughs> The bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production. Don't run away from your feelings.